This is Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zephard, only on 101.9 High FM. The label Made in China is one that we are all too familiar with. But for my guest, Madeleine Thane, it has a more personal meaning. After all, that is where her son was born. But her love for Asia began even before then, when she helped organize kosher trips to that part of the world. Madeleine joins me now to tell me of some of her adventures. Madeleine, welcome, and thank you so much for joining me. It's an absolute pleasure, Cherise. I'm so happy to be able to talk to you a little bit about my experiences when I lived in Hong Kong, but it is 30 years ago, so just wanted to remind you of that. Uh, that's no problem at all. Madeleine, what was it like organizing tours in, I think you said in London, for um, kosher trips to Asia? It must have been a lot of fun. Well, thankfully, um, I had a, an ex-boss that lived in, in Israel, um, and he was able to coordinate the food that was going to spend, send to the various different centers in in Hong Kong, in uh, Thailand, in wherever. So that was quite hard to organize. Eddie Friedman, his name was, and he was the guy who, who used to organize kosher tours from Israel, and I sort of latched on to kosher tours uh, from London. So it was it was quite a challenge, but it all worked out fine, and everything was um, pretty, you know, in those days, life was easier than it is today. Madeleine, what were the kinds of comments that people got? I mean, people go with their friends and it's exciting opportunities. Are people still friends after that kind of adventure? Ah, that's a very interesting and exciting question because I had a couple of people that actually got on the tour as very best friends and got off the tour and never spoke to each other again. They were close friends in London and by the time they got to Indonesia, Hong Kong, Japan, they didn't even look at each other. It was actually quite sad. What goes wrong? Well, you know, this one wants to sit next to that one, and this one didn't want to eat that food, and it was, it was a, a drama. And then they thought about the rooms and the accommodation and the tours that they were going on, and they just found a reason to be unhappy, I, maybe they weren't familiar with the, with the, the people that uh, they were traveling with, you know, to begin with. So um, it was actually quite interesting. Did you find yourself acting as a psychologist in addition to being uh, an organizer? Uh, very much so. Very much so. You know, we had to calm people down, had to tell them, you know, what's on the program and to please behave and, you know, don't fight on the plane and don't cause me any embarrassment. And that was, it was pretty hectic. But it you was actually, yeah. And then you didn't actually go with them. You didn't accompany the tours. Yeah, I did. Oh, you did. did? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so I did. did. So I yeah. have a question yeah. for you, Madeleine. Something that, you know, I, I, does every group of people have certain kinds of similar dynamics? Like in every group of people, doesn't matter who, obviously the people are different and every, every trip is different. But are there the certain personalities of the shy, quiet one and the noisy, trying to take leader one and the one who's always late or needs to go to the toilet just as the bus is leaving? Do you find that like in every tour you've got the same kind of dynamics or is that not the case? No, very much so the case. Very much so. I mean, 
There was always somebody that was going to be late and you could be sure of that. And there was always somebody that was going to take charge and you could be sure of that. It, it was, uh, you know, it, it was an interesting experience uh, and certainly uh, one that I learned a lot from as being a tour guide and taking tours to the Far East. And that was my speciality at the time because um, my um, my company in London specialised in taking kosher tours to the Far East. And um, unfortunately, I had to leave the company because then I, I married and, and we went to live in Hong Kong. And um, that was another exciting experience, very just before we, we go to that um, story, what do you say from taking people and traveling in Asia, which for, especially I imagine 30 years ago, must have been slightly more difficult touring um, in terms of language and, um, you know, not getting to know your way around. What would you say the lessons you learned from that work? I have to say that everybody speaks English. So, <laughs> you know, that's a good thing. In Japan, I think it was a little less easy because, but you got through it. It, it wasn't difficult. I think that English is an international language, so everybody speaks English, and especially in Hong Kong, being you know Chinese, I mean people from from Hong Kong speak unbelievable English. Do you have a favorite country in Asia? I love Japan. I love Japan. I think Japan has got a culture of its own. The Japanese people are very honorable, very respectful, very kind. You know, it's, it was a very interesting experience to, to be in Japan. Um, but the rest of, the rest of Asia had its, had its moments. I mean, I love Thailand. I think the people of Thailand are also colorful, interesting personalities. Yeah. There's so many different stories that I have on, on all the different places. So um, that would take about two hours to talk about. As I keep saying, Rosh Hashanah is the time when, you know, together with all the other things we do, we sit around the table as families and we chat and we reminisce. And maybe now you can tell me a little bit about Hong Kong and maybe what it was like to spend a Rosh Hashanah in Hong Kong. Let me say, Kung Hei Fat Choi, which means Happy New Year in Cantonese. So kung hei fai choi, and then the kids always, always used to ask for money because that was the money. Hong Kong's all about money. So the kids always used to say, lai si dai hoi, and they used to go around to all the parents and ask for money, and they used to get money in these little red packets with the Happy New Year on in, in Cantonese. So it was very cute. So um, we, we practiced that. We'd not that we gave money. But um, life in Chinese in Hong Kong was fantastic. I mean, from the day we got to Hong Kong, my husband and I got to Hong Kong, we absolutely loved every minute. And the community there was so embracing and so warm. And um, we couldn't have faulted it. I mean, Raymond arrived first in Hong Kong, and he he's a bridge player. And there were like four ladies that couldn't wait to play bridge with him. And, you know, so when I arrived, I mean, we already had bridge friends and we, we, we went to the, the Hong Kong Bridge Club. And, um, but life, life in general is very exciting. Um, I just want to tell you one quick incident that I had a, a Chinese lady who used to do, um, manicures and pedicures and facials for me. And her name was Brenda. And every time she used to come to my house, she used to come to my house and she'd say to me, 
Mrs. Fang, buy gold. I was saying, why buy gold? She said, gold's good to buy at the moment. Okay, so every time I was told by Brenda to buy gold or to buy US dollars or whatever, she knew, as most people in, in Hong Kong know, they know everything about commodities, about oil, about this, about that. They were really informed and you could speak to anybody, anybody about anything. I mean, even the, the manicurist could talk to me about what to buy and what's a good investment. It was actually very funny. You sorry, carry on. No, carry on. I was going to say, when you celebrate Rosh Hashanah in Hong Kong, does traditional food take on a different meaning? What was your meal? Okay, so there are a lot of Sephardic Jews living in, in Hong Kong. So um, a lot of, and even ex-Rhodesians, very good friends of mine still to this day, um, they were living in Hong Kong, mostly lawyers living in Hong Kong. Um, Sephardic food for Rosh Hashanah. So rice was part of the menu, you know. It wasn't familiar to us, but rice was part of the menu and barekas and all that sort of thing. Um, and it was, um, we were often, in, well, we also often celebrated the Chagim in the shul in Hong Kong. And it was, a, it was a, a community thing rather than an individual thing. I, I must say at the time I lived in Hong Kong, there were 5,000, more or less 5,000 Jews living in Hong Kong, of all different nationalities, from Afghanistan Jews to Jews from Chile, New Zealand, Paris, wherever. It was um, a a really interesting experience. There were Jews of 28 nationalities at the time that I lived in Hong Kong, all gathered together. It was a, a very interesting experience. Well, Madeleine, it sounds interesting. And, and, you know, it's so reassuring to kind of have those stories that we can draw on at times, you know, when when travel is a little bit more difficult. So I'm really grateful to you for coming on and sharing those stories and giving us that sense of love for travel and, and you know, culture and giving some insight into what it was like at that time. It's an absolute pleasure. I really enjoyed chatting with you. Thank you so much, Madeleine. That was Madeleine Fay sharing her experiences of Asia.